Are you ready for the word today? I am so tired. All right, here we go. Are you ready for the word today? Good. Some of y'all still didn't say anything, but I'm going to preach anyway. We have begun a, a brand new uh, message theme. Well, we started it two weeks ago. I guess it's not brand new. We're in the middle of it. Uh, a message theme entitled, What God Likes. As we're moving toward the fall, as people are getting more engaged back in life again, school starting back up, everybody's kind of been doing different things in the summer, but fall is a time to re-engage and reconnect. And so I just, in my prayer time, I began to ask the Lord, what is it you'd like for us to focus on for this month of August? And I, I kept feeling like he was impressing on me. Why don't you focus on what I want to focus on? And so we started a message theme entitled, What God Likes. And uh, we've been talking about it, What God Likes. The first two uh, Sundays we talked about worship. God likes worship. Uh, I love that our worship leader, Josh, took notes uh, of my preaching. That's good. And worship is an outward expression of an inward adoration. That it's in you and it has to come out of you. And uh, I hope that that's been something that's helped you through the week if you were not here last week, I would recommend you going online and, and listening to those messages because I think it will impact your relationship with the Lord. Today, I want to move on and I want to talk about something else that God likes. If you're taking notes, just at the top of your notes, just write down, God likes unity. God likes unity. Psalms 133 and verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. God likes unity. Two words that stand out to me in our passage is good and pleasant. How many of y'all like things that are good and pleasant? We do. God likes unity because it's good to him. It's pleasing to him. And the psalmist compares two different things to unity and to harmony. And he says that Unity between brothers or unity between Israel coming together is like the oil that was used to anoint Aaron and the dew that was on Mount Hermon that falls on Zion. I won't take a long time and talk about those, but I want to let you understand why the psalmist would talk about these two illustrations. First of all, he compares unity to the oil that was poured upon the head of Aaron. And there was a whole bunch of things that we could go into about what that oil was made up of and what it made it so precious. But really the thing that made that oil so precious was that Aaron was the first high priest to be anointed. God speaks to Moses and he says, I want you to anoint your brother Aaron to be the first high priest. And the Bible says that Moses anointed his head with oil. Now I was raised... Uh, in, a, in a Pentecostal church where we believed anointing with oil, but when we anointed with oil, it was a little dab and just put it on your forehead. Now Moses took the whole bottle and just poured it over Aaron's head. Now, everything else that that oil was used for 
was sprinkled. So when he walked around the tabernacle to, to sanctify the different instruments, he would just sprinkle those oil. But when it came time to anoint the man of God, the high priest, he emptied the oil on him, poured all down his head, got all in his beard, soaked his garment so much that our text says that it began to drip off of the edge or the hem of his garments. The oil poured the first high priest that Israel ever had. Now, fast forward. Does anybody know the name of another high priest somewhere? This would be your time right here. The last and final high priest. Anybody tell me what his name was? So Jesus carried on the lineage of Aaron, the first high priest. Imagine how precious that oil was that was poured upon Aaron. The scripture says that in the Ark of the Covenant, they kept some sacred things. And one of those sacred things was the rod that Aaron had. So can you imagine if the rod that Aaron had was precious? What if there could have been an oil collector there that day? that just collected that oil and just wrung out his beard and wrung out the hem of his garments and collected that oil. Can you imagine how precious that would be? And the scripture says, brothers that dwell in unity are as precious as that is. And then he goes on to say, and he uses another illustration, Mount Hermon. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon that falls upon Zion. Everybody say Zion. Now, this passage of Scripture is actually a song that David wrote that was used as they were making their pilgrimage toward Mount Zion. There were several times a year that all of Israel would come together and they would make their way to the holy Mount Zion and there would be feasts and festivals and days of atonement and and prayer. Well, here's the thing that... I had never seen before until I began to study this passage of Scripture, the majority of those uh, pilgrimages happened in the middle of the summer. Hot, dry, arid, nasty. How many of y'all traveled this summer? Raise your hand. In a cool, fine car, right? And when you got out, you're like, oh, my God, it's just killing me. Well, can you imagine hundreds of thousands of people coming together into a dry, dusty, you know what I'm talking about? And the Scripture says that brothers that dwell in unity are like the dew of Mount Hermon that falls on Mount Zion. Now, the problem with that is Mount Hermon is 100 miles away from Mount Zion. And so the scripture was saying this. The folks show up into Jerusalem, coming from all different tribes and all different places all over the nation. But they all come together into this dust bowl, but they come with one single purpose. They come together in unity. And he said, it is so pleasing to God that it is as if someone scooped up the snow caps off of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon was always lush. It always had dew. It always was fertile, just green and beautiful. And he said, when my people come together under the same purpose, it's like someone taking all of that beauty and moisture and just dumping it right on the middle of Mount Zion. There's something powerful about you and I coming together in agreement 
over the same thing. It's good and it's pleasing to God. God likes unity. Turn to your neighbor and say, God likes unity. Now, if you haven't been getting along with him today, that's going to be a little awkward. God likes unity. Uh, we just took Evan yesterday. Uh, Evan is our, uh, Evan is our uh, 18-year-old, and he is a freshman in college now. We took him yesterday, uh, Thursday, not yesterday. It seems like yesterday. I took, we took him Thursday, and uh, we dropped Evan off, and uh, it was a sad day. I'm supposed to be the strong man, you know? And I never knew what anybody was talking about when they talked about how bad it was. But as a friend of mine said, it was literally like someone took my guts and pulled them out through my nose. It was the... I'm supposed to be the strong man, you know? No, just a blubbering mess the whole day. Thank God I'm married to a strong Italian that could hold it together until Evan waved goodbye to us and that was it. We just all just fell over. The the mistake I made was driving Davis, who is our now freshman in high school, I drove Davis to school in Evan's car that morning. And just cried the whole way. And the car, it's Evan's car. It's got Evan's smell, which can make anybody cry pretty much. But it, it smelled like him. It felt like him. And, and if, I don't, it, those of you who have ever ridden with Evan, Evan, and he doesn't listen to anything that's not deep. Okay, it's got deep lyrics and deep chords. It's sad. It's like, you know, like John Mayer stopped this train kind of songs. You know what I mean? And so Davis, being our, our, our strong freshman, I'm just sobbing, driving out old Hickory, just sobbing. <laughs> and he reaches over and starts pat me on the leg with his left hand and is frantically hitting buttons, trying to find a fast song. Finally, he finds a fast song, and it's Coldplay, Didn't We Have Fun, which is terrible too. He's like, good Lord. So finally he clicks and he finds Ellen Owen. Thank God. Okay, this will calm dad. Ellen Owen, Josh and Nicole who led worship here today. Finally, okay, something good. And I started calming down. And then comes on their song called Saddest Songs. It was just it. Just done. We got home Thursday night. Got home Friday. And uh, I watched as Davis started kind of wandering around the house a little bit. Just like see him kind of. All of us are like, what do we do now? We don't know what to do. You know, kind of this whole thing. And Chris and I were sitting there, and we were reminded of, of the sounds that we would hear downstairs. And I don't know if you parents know what I'm talking about. You can be in one part of the house, and all of a sudden you hear your kids a loud noise. You're like, oh, God, here we go. Something's broken real quick. And then sometimes it can be a, oh, that loud noise. You know what I mean? But every once in a while, there's this loud burst of laughter. How many parents know what I'm talking about? And I got to tell you, Chris and I have looked at each other many times, and we would hear Evan and Davis. Most of the time it's Davis cracking a joke, and Evan just laughing so loud until he burps. He just kind of got this, laughing, and they're laughing about something. This warmth comes all over me. This is refreshed. This, oh, my God. First of all, it's thank God they're not fighting. And then it's this, oh, my God, they love each other. They love it. As I was studying for this, when I read the scripture, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. I could imagine God getting that feeling. When you and I, with all of our things that we disagree about, all the things that we don't necessarily like about each other, 
all of our different backgrounds coming together for one purpose, all together in the same place. Can you imagine what that does to God's heart? When all of us together are singing, Jesus, we love you. You are the light. You see what I'm talking about? Can you imagine what that does to God's heart? God likes unity. It's good and it's pleasing. We were created for for unity. Did you know that? That's how we were created. Matter of fact, Genesis says this, Genesis 2 and 18, after God had created Adam, and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. If you've got your Bible, I'd like you to underline that. It is not good for man to be alone. Something that we say around here at the hills a lot. And I think it's so fitting that I'm, I'm preaching about this today on the day that we're launching our gatherings. Because I just want to say something to you. Nothing good happens in isolation. Nothing. There are times that God will take us into a place of solitude, but not isolation. Where you are secluded and away from everybody. Nothing Good happens in isolation. That's where they put people to punish them. God doesn't want us to be in isolation. He wants us to be in one another's lives. And I can tell you that you and I feel like that we're the most connected generation that's ever been. I would say that we're the most disconnected generation that's ever been. I can tell you right now that you can know more about what's going on in your friend's life without ever picking up a phone and talking to your friend. You know more about what's going on. I'll hear from people every once in a while. I say, did you hear so-and-so? No, I didn't have any idea. How did you know that? You ain't been out of the house in two weeks. Technology, that's how I know it. And so we think that we're connected, but we're disconnected. And I want to tell you, nothing good happens in that place of disconnection. You don't need to do life alone. We were not created to do life alone. It is not good for man to be alone. And sometimes it feels good to us just to pull away and be ourselves. And it's okay for a time. But man, you've got to get back in the world. Let people in your life. Get in other people's lives. I talked about in the early service that the great prophet uh, called fire down from heaven. I mean, that's a pretty amazing miracle, wouldn't you say? I mean, it took out all the false prophets And you find him just a few verses later, he's sitting here crying, saying, I'm deserted, I'm forsaken. Why? Because he was alone. And then he goes on to say, I'm the only one that hasn't bowed a knee to Baal. And the Lord says, no, you're not. There's 7,000 others over here that that haven't bowed a knee as well. Isolation makes you feel like you're the only one. That nobody's walking through how bad of stuff you're walking through. Nobody could understand what you're walking through. And yet, they're probably sitting right beside you right now. People that have walked through worse or people have walked through things that you need to hear their story. That's why we need other people in our life. Come on, somebody else say, man, besides these people that came up front today. We were created for unity. The church started with unity. Listen to this, Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Everybody say, one accord, one place. And then it goes on to say, and then there's a sound from heaven and the rushing wind comes in. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first church 
begins right here, but it started with these two things happening. They were all with one accord, and that's not a car, it's not a Honda, okay? They were, uh, that word accord means one mind. One mind. Do you know how hard it is to get 120 people in one mind? Especially with our ADD generation. With all of our different ideas of how it's supposed to be and how it's supposed What that's really saying is they all had the same purpose. So if you're taking notes, write that down. They all had the same purpose. And then the scripture says they were with one accord in one place. They all had the same purpose. They were all in the same place. There is something powerful when people with the same purpose get together in the same place. Matter of fact, the Bible says that where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I'm going to be in the midst of you. Why? Because God likes unity. And when people get together and suddenly they bring up his name, guess what he does? Whoop, I want to come down and join this party. He cannot help. So if you want God to show up, get connected with people and start bringing his name up and you watch God start showing up in your life. The church started because of unity. And it didn't stop there. It continued because of unity. Acts chapter 2 and 42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So much that they sold property and possessions and gave it to anyone who was in need. Now here it is. So they had miracles, there were signs, there was wonders. How did that happen? Because verse 46, every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How did they have miracles, signs, and wonders? Because they didn't stop just on Sunday. Did they meet in the temple courts? Yes, that's what we're doing here today. It's the temple courts where we come together and we hear other people singing the same songs we're singing. But then also, they continued it throughout the week. Let me say something. If your your relationship with God and your relationship with others is just relegated to Sunday, then you're missing out on what God really wants to see happening in your life. It says daily. Now, there are two different types of views. There are some people that believe that it's all about church, bigger churches you can get. There are other people that believe it's about small groups and home church. I believe the New Testament church was, it was both. If you're writing that down, B-O-F, it's both. They met in the temple courts. They met weekly together. But they also met in homes. They were in each other's lives. They lived life together. For the hills, for the church here in Nashville, Tennessee, to be what it's called to be. For us to see the things that we know God has called us to see. Miracles and signs and wonders. And people coming and know the Lord on a daily basis. Come on, how many like to be a part of a church like that? Where every day we're just sending tweets out. Well, this many more people just gave their heart to the Lord. We can't keep up with it. If we're going to see that, 
then we're going to have to be a church that is committed to this thing called unity. We're going to have to be committed to being within each other's lives. Not just on Sunday, daily. Not just here in church, house to house, coffee shop to coffee shop, wherever we can get together. How good and pleasing it is when brothers dwell. Everybody say that word with me. Say dwell. Not how good and pleasing it is when brothers get together once in a while. When they connect once a week. No. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Folks that live life together in each other's world. Knowing what's going on in your world. If you don't have that, I want to encourage you today to make that commitment for those relationships to be a part of your life. Let me give you a few observations as I come in for a close today. A few observations on unity. First of all, unity brings safety. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I'm always scared when someone tells me that this person is a self-made man. That scares me to death. Because first of all, that leaves God out of the picture, and it also leaves other people out of the picture. Verse 11, Likewise, two people lying close together. Mm-hmm. I love you, baby. Sorry, y'all. It's that empty nest thing going on. Two people lying. <laughs> I just heard music as I read that. People lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer. Come on, I love that, man. And three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Each of us are our own cord. Each of us are. And we all have our strength, but we also have our breaking point. But when you take one cord and braid it with two other cords, the strength is multiplied. And what I love about it is when you go and buy a piece of rope from the hardware store, you don't say, hey, give me those three braided cords over there. You say, give me that one rope over there. You and I need to be so intertwined into other people's lives that that's how it looks. That we're all together. That we're one body. I mean, how strong is a hand by itself? How awkward would it be for you just walk in and the hand just be laying on the stage? Just laying there, just kind of flopping around, just nothing going on. It would be freaky, right? Somebody would call the cops. There's no doubt about it. It would happen. It doesn't work. It's got to be connected to something. The same with you and I. If you're living your life as just a single cord, you're missing out on the strength that God wants you to have. You and I need to be intertwined in other people's lives, and they need to be intertwined into our lives. We hear it many times that people will say, well, I, I, miss, you know, I miss church and nobody checked on me. Well, there's a reason. Maybe nobody missed you. It's not because we're mean. It's because you're not intertwined with anybody. 
How many times do I say, hey, are you new to the hills? No, I've been here for three months. How did you not know that? Well, maybe you're not intertwined with anybody. I don't know. We need to be to such a place that we're in one another's lives when something begins to go on that people know about it. You need people in your life that can look at you and encourage you when you need to be encouraged, but can also challenge you when you need to be challenged. Can I hear an amen today? We need that. That's where true abundance begins to take place when we're intertwined together. And I love that threefold chord to me. It, it, there, there's so many things that it speaks of. It speaks of the Godhead, the threefold into one. It speaks of us, body, soul, and spirit, the way that we're made. That's how God. And they say it, you've heard it said, if you can live your life and by the end, at the end of your life you have two or three good friends, then you have done something great. How many would be in agreement with that? You know, at the beginning of your life, you want as many friends as you can have. But when it finally comes down to it, you're like, I want some acquaintances, but I want some good, strong friends that can stand with me. I can tell you the toughest times of my life have proven who those people are. The people that are there for you. The people that call you. And also the greatest times of my life prove to me who those people are. A threefold chord. Unity brings safety. Secondly, unity makes us healthy. There is healing in unity. James 5 and 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We know that 1 John 1 and 9 says that if we confess our sins to God, that He is what? He's faithful to forgive us. We know that scripture, and we've all used that before. But it says if you confess your sins to God, you will be forgiven. But if you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed. As a pastor, I can tell you, I meet a lot of forgiven people that have never been healed. Because we've confessed our sins to God, but we don't have anybody in our life that is close enough to us that we can authentically look at them and say, I messed up. I did a bad thing. There is such... Now look, you be careful who you say that to. Them sheep and goats, you got to watch out for them goats, all right? You got to make sure that's a proven person, someone that's been with you, that they're going to stand with you. But if you can find that person, and I've got a few of them in my life, that I could pick up the phone, and I, I didn't matter, I could have done the worst thing in the world, and I could call them, and I could tell them openly... You need to make sure that if you don't have those people in your life, I want to encourage you to start working on developing those relationships because it makes us healthy. It's not good to be walking around with an unconfessed sin in your heart. Amen? It eats at you. You need someone that you can say, man, I need you to help me pray. And what you're going to find, and I'll say this to those of you that have been with us for a while, uh, you've heard me say this. Those of you that are married, Your true accountability partner needs to be your spouse. That's how God created it to be. Now, some of you, it's going to take you a little while to get there, so you ain't got to start right off. But that should be what you're working toward. I can tell you that Kristen and our relationship, and it ain't perfect, but it is awesome. We are so blessed. But I can tell you that our relationship went to a place of just, it was incredible since the time that she and I became one another's accountability partner where there's not anything that I can't walk up to her and say, hey, 
I did this. I need help with this. The same for her. And also, we know one another's weaknesses. And there are areas of our life that both of us, there's an open door. There's not a time that she can't walk up and go, hey, I've noticed this going on. Are you okay? And without me getting defensive, I want to encourage you to have that in your life. Everybody good? I ain't a good preacher, but this is good preaching. This will help you. This will help you. Unity brings safety. Unity makes us healthy. Unity ain't always easy. There's my observation. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Ephesians 4, 2, and 3. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Come on, look at that. Humble, gentle, patient, Make allowance for each other's faults. How many of you know that all of our relationships would be glorious if we just did those things right there? And then he says this, make every effort. One one translation says, endeavor, work to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Look at me. Unity takes work, but it's worth it. It's not easy. It's not easy. And it takes time. I heard someone the other day put something on Instagram that I love. He said, you know what? If somebody makes you mad, it's okay not to talk to them for a while, but just don't talk to anybody else about them. It's okay. Somebody hurt your feelings, all right, pull back. All right, just not going to go there. Because if I did, it wouldn't be good right now, okay? Just going to back off, count to ten. Or 10,000 or whatever it takes. Then we're going to step back into this. But at some point, you've got to step back in and be willing to do the work. And it's not easy. It's not easy, first of all, because we're selfish people, right? Come on, you know we are. We want our, I, I know the right way. My pride. I'm going to be, it says, be humble. Be gentle. Be that way. So pride, uh, uh, unity is not easy because, first of all, just us. And then secondly, because of the enemy. I mean, that's his biggest deal is bringing division. That's how the whole thing started in heaven, bringing division. And then there's other people that bring division. Some people do it maliciously in our life. They do it. They want to bring division. They want to separate you because of jealousy or because of anger or bitterness. Then there's other people that bring division just because they think they know what they're doing is right. They don't think they're wrong. But here's the thing. Listen to this. Division comes from divided vision. If you're taking notes, write that down because that's good. Division comes from divided vision. Two different visions that are trying to work in this same... Let me say something. This will help you in your marriage. But, but I'm wanting to do something good. But I'm wanting to do something good. But it's two different ways of doing it. That's division. Make sure as in your marriage, in your relationships. As a pastor, it's the thing that we have to continually think about is, what's the vision? What has God called us to do? Remember what I said at the beginning. All the right people in the right place with the same purpose. That's what brings the power and the authority of God in our life. Unity takes work, but it's worth it. And you know what? Even if... We won't do it for us. Why don't we do it because it's what God wants? Leave us out of it. Let's do what we need to do because of God.
Unity ain't always easy. Next, unity takes intentionality. We're almost done. Unity takes intentionality. How many of you have said to someone in this building, we ought to get together sometime and still haven't gotten together with them? Raise your hand. Hey, let's do lunch. It takes intentionality. It takes you saying, all right, we're going to get together. This is when I have off. When can you connect? Okay, where are we going to meet? It takes a plan. It takes some structure. Unity takes strategy. You have to be intentional about it. You've got to want to do it and then want to put the work into it and commit to it. And lastly, my final observation today on unity is unity begins with community. Unity begins with community. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear about a unity service that's going on, you know, you have those in a service, I always think of two opposing people getting together, right? We're going to have a unity service. In my mind, I think, well, black folks, white folks, Hispanic folks, all going to get together and we're going to all have unity. Or this denomination is going to get together with this denomination and we're going to all get together. Most of the time, that's one service and then we're all gone, right? And we call it a unity service. But I would say to you, instead of looking out there and saying, I, I'm going to just fall in love with my, the person that I like the least. I'm going, man, I'm going, to, I'm going to hang out with those per- people even though I don't know what they do. I don't know anything about them. Why wouldn't we start with something that we have in common? So everybody say community equals common unity. So community is something that you have in common that brings about unity. That's what I love about how our gatherings are set up. I don't know about you, but I've been a part of small groups that it was kind of like, okay, y'all are all the R's. Y'all going to all hang out over here. Okay, y'all live in Brentwood. Okay, y'all going to all get together. You know, it, just, it was just awkward. And y'all going to be together for 12 years too, Okay. You cannot split up. You're going to all go to heaven together. That's the way it's going to be. But I love the way this is set up. It's people connecting over something they have in common. Look at, we have a running one. I love that. Those of you who like to run, there's a running group. Going to get together and run, jog, and then have a time of prayer, a little time of devotion at the end. Thursday night football, what? Come on. Just all these different things that make it so easy. So look at me. So when I'm preaching about unity, instead of looking way out there and thinking about signing some peace treaty, start with where you are, with what you like to do, with people who are already around you. That's what Jesus did. He called people that he wanted to hang out with for three and a half years. And he hung out with them. And yes, there were bigger crowds, but when it came down to it, it was 12. And when it really came down to it, it was 3. What if you started doing that? What if I started doing that? I want to encourage you. If you're a part of the hills, I want to encourage you to be a part of a gathering. And those of you that are saying, well, I don't see one on here that I like. Well, that's perfect. You can start one, okay? Awesome. We want you to do that. We've got training we'll let you go through. We'll let you set one up. This is the key to you and I stepping into an abundant life is to have heart for unity. And here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to stop with just community. 
He wants it to go to unity. But Jesus doesn't just want unity. Jesus is really after oneness. The Bible says in John chapter 17 and 21, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. Do you know this is the only unanswered prayer of Jesus Christ? Every other prayer that he's ever prayed has been answered, except this one. The body of Christ is so splintered, we're so fragmented, we're so frayed. What if you and I, we're always asking him to answer our prayers. What if you and I have the potential to answer his prayer? Just by getting together. And let it start by watching football. Let it start over a prayer group. Let it start because you like music. Just connect, get together, and watch what God does out of that relationship. I believe if you and I will commit to this, if you and I will make a stand and say, I'm going to do everything I can to be as involved in other people's lives as I can, you're going to watch abundance start happening in your life. How many received this word this morning? Come on, do you receive it today? My heart. Let's pray. Just close your eyes.